Amen. Thank you, Melissa. Great thought. Great job. God is good. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We will be on page 902. 1 John chapter 5. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started a 21-message Sunday morning series that I have entitled, Learn of Him to Flee from Idolatry. Paul told the Corinthian believers to, quote, flee from idolatry in 1 Corinthians 10.14. And those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus are commanded to flee from idolatry, which simply means that there should be not anyone or anything that we admire, love, reverence, or worship more than the God of the Bible, our Creator, Jehovah God. Last week, we talked about our Creator manifesting Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. We learned that both Jesus himself and those closest to him claimed that he was God. He is more than a prophet, more than the highest created being. Jesus was God manifest in flesh. He was and is God the Son. And to believe or follow a Jesus who is something other than the Son of God, fully God and fully man, the creator clothed in flesh, is to follow another Jesus. It's to commit idolatry. And we saw how just like Pilate on the day of Christ's trial had to personally decide what he would do with Jesus who is called the Christ, uh, you and I must decide too. But he is the Christ whether we believe it or acknowledge him to be that or not. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8, he said, there be that are called gods, there is but one God. And though there is one God, the world in which we serve today, and the world into which we have been sent is a world that is filled with many that are called gods. The world of Moses' day, the world of the day of the apostles were filled with many gods as well, and it is a big deal today for you and I to stick our feet in the ground and dig our heels in and say that there is no Savior other than Jesus Christ and that there is but one true God. And though there are many purposes for the Bible, the most important purpose for the Bible is for God to reveal Himself to man. The complexity and the intricacy and beauty of creation all bear witness to a Creator. But if we want to know what that Creator is like, we need the Bible. Unfortunately, instead of looking to the Bible, many people, they create a Jesus out of their own mind and their own imagination instead of looking to see how He's revealed Himself to be, and in the end, commit idolatry. Though there are so many beings that are called God, and we like to make a God that is more in our image, I want to spend a few months talking about who God has revealed Himself to be. I want us to learn of Him so we can flee from idolatry. And I think I echo the view of many here Today, when I say that I want to believe, follow, and love God as He's revealed Himself to be, not how I imagine Him to be. And to do anything other than that is actually idolatry. Most here have heard of the term Trinity. Our Creator revealing Himself to man as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To believe in any being we call God who is anything other than three equal persons who are all one, is to commit idolatry. 
If you're able to stand this morning, if you would stand, please, in honor of the Word of God. The title of my thought this morning is, These Three Are One. These Three Are One. Should be in your Bible in 1 John chapter 5. We begin in verse 5 of chapter 5 where it says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Thank you, you might be seated. Christ chose for John the Apostle to outlive the other apostles by, as best as we can tell, about 30 years. Uh, by the way, every lifespan is in the hands of God. Now, I don't understand why God allows some to live a long time and others He allows only to live a short time. I just simply believe this. God has a reason. For every life, He cuts what we consider to be short, and for every life that He allows to continue for many years. Now, by the time the Holy Spirit moved John to pick up his pen and write the gospel bearing his name, three epistles to Christian readers, and the book of Revelation to close out the New Testament, he was writing and speaking to a completely different generation than Peter and Paul spoke to. And with the passage of the generations and the passage of time, Satan had initiated several heresies that diminish the Lord Jesus and the nature of our God. Most of you have heard of the Gnostic heresy, and I don't intend to go into any kind of depth at all this morning, but by the end of the first century, when John picked up his uh, pen, that heresy was very strong, and so it is no surprise that the Holy Spirit inspired John to write in such a manner as to make the deity of Jesus Christ and the threefold nature of God especially clear. He begins here by letting us know that those who overcome the difficulties and heresies of the day were those who truly believed Jesus to be the Son of God. Verse 5, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now Satan himself intellectually assents to Jesus being the Son of God. But Satan will not humble himself and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to trust him, and he would not, if he could, call upon him to forgive and save him, because to believe in the Son of God is not an intellectual assent only, it is to trust. Now, while many live in the world around us and survive without Christ or salvation, to overcome in this world, we need to trust the true Jesus as our Savior, and we need to live a life that is yielded to Him. You see, to believe in a Jesus who is not the Son of God, a Jesus who is not God manifest in the flesh, a Jesus who is not the Creator and equal with His Father, is to believe in another Jesus, a false Jesus. No one gets saved believing in the wrong Jesus. See, it is not being named Jesus that makes one the Savior. You may or may not be aware of this, but Jesus is a pretty common name. Uh, it's actually the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. 
means Jehovah saves. And so everybody in the Bible named Joshua, everybody in our day named Joshua, everybody from a Latin American culture named Jesus, and people all over our globe, they have the name of Jesus. It is not simply being named Jesus that makes someone the Savior. It is being the Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, that makes someone the Savior. Now, I don't want to just survive life. I want to overcome in life. By the way, I want to just thank God that on Easter Sunday, 39 years ago, as a 24-year-old man, I humbly called on the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive my sins, and He came in my heart, and because the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, lives in my heart, I have the capacity, not just to go to heaven when I die, I have the capacity to overcome in this life. And so do you if Christ is in your life. By the way, that's why Romans describes believers as, quote, more than conquerors through him that loved us. But Jesus wasn't just an individual who came by natural birth, the water of Mary's womb. He also came with the sinless blood of God. He had a divine birth. In verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, not by natural birth, not just from Mary's womb, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness. Because the Spirit is truth. You see, God was Jesus' father. Joseph was really just the stepfather of Jesus. Mary was a virgin when the Lord Jesus was conceived in her womb. Making Jesus unique in all of history, He is uniquely 100% God with the sinless, untainted blood of God. And He is also 100% man and walking in the same flesh that you and I have today. Notice the Holy Spirit is the one who bears witness to this great truth and the unique nature of Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, it's not an accident that the Spirit of God through John describes the Holy Spirit there in verse 6, in the end, it says, it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. By the way, that is a little glimpse of the deity of the Spirit of God. Now, John the Apostle, he's the one who recorded Jesus as saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. And just like uh, God the Father is truth, and just like Jesus the Son is truth, the Spirit of God is also truth. The deity of the Father is taught clearly throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. There's one true God. The deity of Jesus is declared occasionally in the Old Testament and made clear in the New Testament. Jesus is fully divine, the divine Son of the living God. The deity of the Holy Spirit is implied in the Old Testament and mostly taught indirectly in the New Testament. Say, so Why? Because part of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to point people to Jesus rather than himself. And so the deity of the Holy Spirit, with maybe just a couple of exceptions, is taught indirectly in statements like this, or like 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, where Paul says, ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Like Paul said in Ephesians 2.22, ye are builded together and habitation of God through the Spirit. Like John said in John, 1 John 4.16 when he said, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him. 
Like Paul taught the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, 6, there's one God and Father of all who is above all and in you all. You see, each of these statements and others just like them, they teach us that the Holy Spirit is the third person of our triune Creator. And though usually much less direct, the clearest of all New Testament statements about the deity of the Holy Spirit and the threefold nature of our Creator we read a moment ago, a statement removed from many modern Bibles. Verse 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, capital W, that's Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Listen, your Bible might be easier to read, but it has changed some important things. Listen, you don't need to be a Greek or English expert to understand that that statement we just read compared to the statement of modern Bibles that says there are three that testify. That is not at all the same, nor does it carry the same doctrinal impact as there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And though the word Trinity is not a Bible word, it is a good word that expresses a clear Bible doctrine reflecting the way our Creator has revealed Himself to mankind. The Father, the Word, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Ghost are three. They are unique and separate, and they are also one. And so if you and I are going to believe and follow and love our Creator as He has revealed Himself to us, we believe in the Trinity of God. Those who only believe in the Father's deity have an idolatrous view of our Creator. And we're taught to flee from idolatry. Those who only believe in the deity of the Father and Son have an idolatrous view of our Creator. We're taught to flee from idolatry. We are clearly taught that there is one God, Jehovah, who manifests Himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just simply remind you and myself of a very basic thing. None of us get to decide who our Creator is or what He is like. We don't get to decide what He's like. We don't get to decide what He likes. God is who He is. He likes what He likes. And you and I either decide to humbly believe what we have been told as our God revealed Himself to us, or to believe something else. But nothing we believe changes the truth about who God is. And though we cannot fully understand it, our Creator revealed Himself to mankind in the Bible as a threefold being who is also one. Now some of you have heard of the Darwin Awards. These are awards that are callously given uh, to people who have done something exceptionally stupid that resulted in their own death. In 1997, a 22-year-old man named Eric Barcia decided that he knew more than all of the commercial bungee operations in Virginia. And so instead of trusting their expertise and paying a few dollars to bungee jump, he decided to create his own bungee jump off a bridge. He purchased, measured, and tied several bungee cords to a 70-foot bridge and jumped. Unfortunately, young Eric didn't take into account that bungee cords stretch. And he jumped to his own death. 
The sincerity of what Eric Barcia believed about his own expertise didn't matter. The fact that Eric Barcia carefully measured his cords and was completely convinced (laughs) that he knew what he was doing, all that mattered was the fact that he was wrong. Wrong about the length a bungee cord needed to be in order to safely jump off a 70-foot bridge. He had a sincerely held false belief that cost him his life. Listen, it doesn't matter who says differently. It doesn't matter who believes differently. The Bible has clearly revealed that our Creator, Jehovah of the Bible, has revealed Himself to be three distinct beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is also one God. And to believe in a being or follow a being called God who is not that threefold being who is also one God is idolatry. And we're taught to flee from idolatry. And so what I'd like to do this morning for just a couple of moments is make some observations and applications of our Creator revealing Himself to us as a threefold being. Please first go in your Bible to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Here's number one. Creation manifests its triune creator. Creation manifests its triune creator. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. If this verse is not highlighted or underlined in your Bible, it ought to be. This is basically a a clear, doctrinal, important statement of the Bible. Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of Him, that's invisible things of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. In other words, you're going to see some invisible things of God from the creation, and you're going to be able to see them clearly. It says then, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Do you see that from the creation, the invisible things of God, like his power and Godhead, can be clearly seen in creation. And in them being clearly seen in creation, that leaves people without excuse. You see, the atmosphere and stellar heavens bear witness to a creator rather than an accidental explosion 13.8 billion years ago. The psalmist of the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day under day uh, showeth uh, show speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Listen, David is a shepherd boy, night after night, set out under the starry sky outside of Bethlehem, and he looked up, and he could see the glory of God in the stars above him. All of creation speaks up and bears witness to an omnipotent creator rather than a random evolutionary chance. And we're taught here, the invisible things of God, especially His power and Godhead, are visible in creation. Have you ever really thought about the incredible power of God, our Creator, that is on display in creation in outer space? Have you ever really simply thought about the vastness of millions of galaxies, each of which composed with hundreds of millions of stars? Have you ever thought of the power of God that is on display in the billions and billions of stars, many of which are greater and more powerful than our own sun? 
Have you ever thought even in our own planet and close to us, the power of God, the creator that he placed inside a volcano, inside of a hurricane, inside of a tsunami, inside of a tornado. And those are just little glimpses of the great power of God visible in our creation. And it isn't just in big things that the power of God is visible in creation. Have you ever thought about the power that's there in just a single atom of uranium or plutonium? All that power was placed there by our Creator. Have you ever thought about the power of DNA? Power that basically controls every biological process from the formation of the first cells to all of life and biology around us. uh, All placed there on a miniature scale by our great Creator that demonstrates His power. But understand, it is not just that creation shows God's power, it also shows His Godhead. The incredible demonstration of the threefold nature of our Creator is clearly seen in creation all around us. Bible dictionaries uh, define Godhead as that which characterizes divinity. Uh, The dictionary simply says that Godhead is the nature of God, especially as seen as existing in three persons. You see, the things that characterize a true God are clearly seen in creation, including His basic threefold nature. Listen, I've done this many, many times over the years, but for those of you who haven't heard it before, understand it is no surprise that all of creation is divided into threes, time, space, and matter, because of the threefold nature of our Creator. Time is divided into past, present, and future. Space is divided in X, Y, and Z axis. Matter is divided into three kingdoms, animal, vegetable, and mineral. All because of our threefold creator. In fact, all of matter is composed of protons, neutrons, and electrons because of the threefold nature of our creator. Even the tiny proton is composed of three quarks. Listen, the fingerprint of a triune God is stamped all over creation so that they are without excuse as they look out on everything around them and yet refuse to acknowledge that there are some things they don't know, some things they don't understand, and that they do not get to decide who God is and what pleases Him. And to understand our Creator's nature helps us understand the nature of the creation in which we live. You see, nature brings glory to our great God as it demonstrates His person and His power in the world around us, leaving everyone without excuse. Everyone. No one can look at the complexity and beauty of our world and say there is no God without being foolish. But it's not just that in nature we see the fingerprint of our triune creator, we also see it in his greatest creation. Please next go in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See, Brother Wally, why are you preaching a message like this on a Sunday morning? Hey, because I want us to know the true God. I, I can't control who follows the true God other than for myself. What I can do is set forward the true God to you so you can decide. 
whether you're going to commit idolatry and make a God you like better, or whether you are going to follow the true God, the God who's revealed himself to us in the Scriptures. Which brings us to our second thing, man himself manifests the threefold nature of our Creator. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3, 23, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, says, in the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Notice that's W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice that as Paul writes to these believers, he considers them to be threefold beings. He wanted their body and soul and spirit to be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest part of creation is not the interstellar heavens, though the beauty and magnitude of them fascinates us all. The greatest part of creation is not mammals with their diversity and intelligence or birds with their ability to soar in the sky. The greatest part of creation is not microscopic forms of life or cells with all their complexity. The greatest part of creation is mankind. We and we alone are made in the image of God, our Creator. We have an eternal soul because of this image, because we are made in the image of an eternal God. We have a moral compass in our conscience because we are made in the image of a moral God. We are conscious of ourselves and the environment around us in a unique way from all the animals because we are made uniquely in the image of our God. But even more so, this image is manifested in the fact that a complete person is threefold, body, soul, and spirit. I feel bad for you if you believe that you're just a fortunate series of accidents of nature that somehow by accident broke away from some common ancestor we share with chimpanzees. I feel bad for you. I mean, that means you have no purpose in life. It means your life doesn't matter. It means you have no future. It means when people die, they just die and are gone. Go ahead and believe that if you will. But I want to tell you, it's a lie from hell. We're not just a complex genetic code of billions of characters that happened by chance. We're not just a combination of proteins and amino acids that the spark of electricity in some dead puddle of goo that lighted up 3.7 billion years ago. Listen, we learned that believers in Jesus have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit which makes us complete and it makes us in the image of the threefold creator who is one God who made us in his image. We are one person who is also body, soul, and spirit. I believe that we are born with a threefold nature. What I believe the Scriptures teach is at some point when a child willfully sins against God, their spirit dies. That's why we are described in Ephesians chapter 2 as being spiritually dead in trespasses and sins before we're saved. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. By the way, being spiritually dead, that's why when we humble ourselves to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again. And our dead spirit is revived by the Holy Spirit of God to make us complete again. Ye must be 
born again to be complete. And only God can make you complete. Let me ask you this morning, have you been saved? Have you ever humbled yourself to call upon God? By the way, if you said some prayer and it left your heart unchanged, if you have no desire for God, no desire for the church, no desire to pray when you're not in trouble, no desire to read the scriptures, no desire to be around the people of God, something's wrong. The Spirit of God changes every human being in which He dwells and we are a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new in Christ. People do not have the potential to be complete or fulfilled in life until their true threefold nature has been restored by humbly placing their faith in Jesus Christ to make them complete again. You know, maybe you're here and you're saved, but you're living like you're just a body. Living to satisfy your flesh. But every human being is more than that. Unsaved human beings are a body and a soul. Saved human beings, truly saved human beings, are body, soul, and spirit. By the way, because we're body, soul, and spirit, because there is no uh, uh, life, spiritual life apart from being born again, uh, that's why there's no lasting satisfaction in a bottle, a pill, or a puff. You're more than just a body. That's why there's no lasting satisfaction in your immorality. You're more than just a body. That's why there's no lasting satisfaction in money or promotion or fame. If you're blessed enough to be able to achieve money or promotion or fame, what you'll find is when you get what you used to think you want, you'll just want more. There is no satisfaction in those things because you are more than just a body. It will always take more than pleasing your flesh to satisfy your soul. But once you have been born again through Jesus Christ and you are a triune being again in the image of God, now you have the opportunity for true satisfaction. Which gets us to our last thing. Number three. Understanding our Creator to be three distinct persons who are also one, it changes how we treat Jesus And it changes how we treat the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus your servant or your God? Is the Holy Spirit your servant or your God? And have you ever really thought about this? Jesus has a body. Was made in the virgin womb of Mary. The Father is in heaven. He has whatever would be the equivalent of a body. Holy Spirit has no body. Except the body of believers who yield their body to Him. Have you ever thought that really the purpose of your body and mine as believers in Jesus is to be the body for the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in our life? The Holy Spirit is not your servant. He's your God. And if we don't understand the true nature of one God as Heavenly Father, Son, the Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we will fail to treat both Jesus and Holy Spirit with the kind of respect and honor they both deserve. 
On the other hand, it is a great privilege to submit and to know the loving threefold Creator who made us and redeemed us. Recently, there was a woman whose name was Anna Helgen. She is called a pastor of a place that is called a church in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota. She recently led a group of people who assembled to hear what she had to say in what is called the Sparkle Creek. And she and every one of those assembled, they blasphemously recited the following. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of the one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. Can I just say, that is blasphemous. And I don't care how sincerely She and those people who recite it believe that. I don't care if there are thousands who say it. When it is contrary to this book, that is damnable. And if those people actually believe that, they are living today condemned and outside of Jesus Christ. You don't get to decide who God is and neither do I. You don't get to decide what pleases God and neither do I. You and I don't get to decide the nature of God And none of us get to pick that. God is who He is, and He is pleased with what He's pleased with. He is who He revealed Himself to be. And one way He has revealed Himself to be is a threefold being, being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is one God. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God who manifests himself in three persons. Pretty much the closest you and I could ever come to understanding it is water. From science class, you know it's H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. And below 32 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level, water is solid. But its nature is two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Between 32 degrees Fahrenheit and 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level, water is liquid. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Above 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level, water becomes vapor. But in every state, solid, liquid, and vapor, it is still the same essence. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. And that is a great illustration of who our Creator has manifested Himself to be. He is Father, He is Son. He is the Holy Spirit, each of which have the same essence, the same character qualities. One God manifests in three persons. Let me ask you this morning as we close, are you giving the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit the honor they deserve? You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of the fact that there are a lot of Christian people who consider the Holy Spirit their servant. And you consider it very minor if you grieve the Spirit or you quench the Spirit or you do despite unto the Spirit or you vex the Spirit when in fact the purpose of Him living in you is to be a body to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's His work. 
Maybe you're here and you think you get to pick your own Jesus. As if there weren't millions of people who have that name. There is one Jesus who is the Savior of the world, who is the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, and only He, because He died for our sins and rose again from the dead, only He can save you. This morning, if you don't have a changed life, Jesus wants to save and change you. But you have to let Him. You quietly stand.